If it's the weekend, it's time to have fun with your pet. But when it comes to technology, apps, and what's hot, you don't want to waste money or waste your or your pet's time. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. In today's show, Lorian and her guests will keep you in the know to keep your pet happy as well as you and your family. Now here's your host, Lorian Clemens. Welcome back, pet lovers. Today we are talking about all things pet for winter. And more specifically, we are looking into ways to keep your pet safe and warm, as well as some fun, safe activities to keep them entertained and enriched when the weather outside is frightful. So to help us with that, we've invited Christy Benson. She's an educator at the Academy for Dog Trainers. She's also a really tremendous blogger. In fact, her blog has been listed in the top 50 dog blogs in 2016 from Thoroughly Reviewed. And on the side, she's actually done some micro mushing with her dogs. I mean, how fun is that? I'm excited actually to talk to her about that, hoping she can share some fun uh, knowledge with us about sledding activities. But Christy, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. Okay, well, I have to start with mushing because I was like, oh my God, she's done mushing. That is so cool. So to, for those listeners who maybe don't know what I'm talking about, tell us about mushing. What is mushing with your dog? Uh, so the, sorry, the traditional understanding of mushing uh, with dogs is is usually a big team of dogs, like somewhere between four up to maybe, you know, in, in some of the races, it's even like 16 or, or 20 dogs in front of a sled in the winter. So the dogs are in harness. The harness is connected either directly to the sled or to a, a, a center line, and then that's collected that's connected to the sled. So the dogs are pulling you or pulling something forward. That, that's sort of traditional mushing. Uh, how did you get into that? Um, well, me and my spouse moved to Inuvik in the Northwest Territories, which is about 100 kilometers south of the Arctic Ocean. Oh, wow. So that was in 2004. So we just randomly moved up there for work. Uh-huh. And uh, there's quite a bit of, of um, uh, racing there that happens. So, so you know, there, there isn't a lot of dogs being used for traditional activities anymore but there's certainly quite a bit of racing up there so we sort of got we got to know some of the mushers who were racing and we got to know we got we worked in one of the um, kennels up there for a little while and so that that was our entrance was it was in the arctic now what is micro mushing as opposed to standard mushing so with standard mushing, you're usually talking, not always, I mean, you know, there's a range, but you're usually talking about a relatively large kennel with a lot of dogs. So, um, you know, so maybe 10, maybe 20, maybe in, in some of the competitive racing kennels, we're talking 50 or 100 or more dogs. Mm-hmm. So micro mushing is people who have a couple of pets or a couple of sled dogs who live in their home with them, sort of more of a pet life. And uh, but the dogs are still pulling them, so it's all about traction. So the dogs are pulling them. It can be on a little sled. It can be on skis, which is one of my favorite things. Yes. Um, <laughs> you can use a bike. You can use. Um, uh, some people just jog behind their dogs. Yeah. So yeah. anything that the dog or or a scooter. So we have these big scooters that are actually made for dogs to pull you. So you know, my, it's, it's a small number of dogs. Uh, but the dogs are still pulling you around in whatever season. Okay, so I've got to ask because, so I live in a very snowy area. I live at about 3,000, 3,200 feet. Uh, and I have one dog that is obsessed with the snow. And my husband and I are both uh, skiers. And we are always looking for activities to do with the dog in the snow. And I was like, ooh, micro mushing. So, I mean, my other dog is a Boston Terrier. doesn't want to step foot in the snow. But if I <laughs> wanted to like do something with Uller that was, you know, 
something like that because I just think he would have so much fun doing that. I mean, like, what kinds of things could I do? Single dog, you know, nothing too crazy. But I mean, what kind of little things could I do, like sledding type of activities with my dog that I think he would just love? So ski drawing for sure is a fun one. And it's fun for people and dogs, you know, because you're being very active too, but your dog's also being active. And if you have a very high energy dog, um, I think a fantastic thing about micro mushing or, you know, traction sports in general is that it really tires your dog out. Mm -hmm. So as long as your dog is vet checked, you know, you're healthy and, and sort of capable of doing pulling sports, it tires them out much more quickly than a regular walk. So you're working, so you're keeping warm, your dog's working, so they're keeping warm, you know, and then you really drain that kind of energy tank mm -hmm. so that you know at the end of a day if, you're, if your dog has done a nice ski or a nice you know what have you um pulling and harness they're pooped they're tired so that's a really nice where do you start i mean where would we like start to get into that i would say probably if uh, to it, you know quite easily enough would be to just buy a, a sledding harness and you can get you don't have to get an expensive one to start you can get them for about 20 or 25 bucks mm -hmm. online so get a harness, get them comfortable in the harness the same way that you would, you know, get your dog comfortable with any piece of new equipment. So gently introduce it and sort of pair it with a lot of good treats and stuff. Get them used to having something put on their bodies and then have them wear the harness beside you as you're skiing. So, you know, they can they can be beside you loose if, if there's, you know, if it's safe, if they have a good recall and it's a dog friendly area. Right. They can ski beside you loose so they get used to the sounds and they get used to, you know, you falling, yeah. <laughs> which will happen <laughs> for sure. You oh, I, f I fall in our snowshoes much less the skis <laughs> right. yeah exactly right so I always say if, if I'm not falling I'm not having enough fun like I'm not trying hard enough if there's right. not some falls involved yeah so and then have have them um so clip on a, the line to the dog's harness so they can get used to the feeling of you pulling mm -hmm. you know or, or sorry of, of of them pulling you um but just out for a walk so, right. you know, and then every time they manage to get ahead of you and they start to pull, then you can go, oh, good dog, and you can speed up a bit and kind of happy talk and, mm -hmm. you know, get them very excited to that, oh, pulling is finally okay for once in my life. I'm allowed to pull, you know? Right. And then, and then move to, to, uh, to skiing. Well, yeah, because that is the thing. I mean, he, he loves to pull and he's, he's, he's got some, you know, shepherding in him. Uh, so he loves to push and pull things. So that's always been something we've said, no, 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 no pulling. And so that, that'll actually be fun. I think it's a great idea. So I'm excited to talk to my husband about that. Now let's kind of switch gears a little bit because like okay. I mentioned, I've got a Boston Terrier who has no use for the snow. She, she really kind of hates it that we moved up on top of a mountain. I mean, we used to live in like a really, a place that never had snow to like, what is this stuff on the ground? Right. Um, yeah. Um, so let's talk about those those pets either that don't like snow that much or our puppies. Maybe you're training them so that they can. So how do you get those dogs out there so that they can maybe not enjoy it, but at least deal with it and tolerate it? What are kinds of things that you can do to help acclimate, I guess, a dog to a snow situation? Right. So I'd say I would I would have sort of a two pronged approach to that. So my first prong would be like, hey, let's get the dog really liking being outside. And so that might be let's get the dog. Um, a comfortable coat so if they're finding it too cold you know let's let's put them in a little in you know let's help them with a nice coat or a sweater or something so that they feel warm mm -hmm. um, and then let's make every walk that happens outside every time they experience snow to be just really all positive so really short walks to start you know they go out whoo my 
you know, look at this, my goodness, like there's treats raining from the sky and I'm only out here for two or three minutes and then I get to go back in. Like, oh, okay, that was actually okay. You know, everything was good. It was okay. It was short. I didn't get, you know, I, I didn't get uncomfortably cold. Mm-hmm. And then you slowly increase it with just based on the dog's comfort. So they go out, They if they like chasing stuff, maybe have them chase a snowball. You know, so save some of the stuff that your dog really likes to do. If it's, um, you know, tug games or ball or if they play with a flirt pole, for example, save that so that they only get it outside in the snow. You know, so they're comfortable and happy because they're in their warm little sweater. They're not being sort of pushed past their limit and, and, and getting cold or uncomfortable or just displeased because, you know, the walks are nice and short and everything good happens out in the snow. And you can slowly work them up to being like, hey, you know, maybe this snow stuff is okay. You could hide some delicious treats and a little bit of a snowbank and help them dig it out or something you know so make the snow very positive and fun well that's that's a those are, um, those are all great ideas. And, it, and, and work I, up to it you know slowly and at the dog's pace yeah and then I, sort of the second prong sorry go ahead well no i was just gonna say real quick so like what, what about with shorter dogs is is there because i think some of the problem that like penny has i mean we'll get a dump of like three or four feet and she's fine with the with the smaller snow but i'm like with with the big huge snows i mean yeah. is it the same type of thing i mean like your idea about putting trees in a snowbank i was like oh with that i actually might be a really good idea for, for to help her get really right. better with the heavier snows but uh, yeah and i think if if it's just straight up uncomfortable and unpleasant there's not much we can do mm-hmm. you know we we can tromp a trail down before they go out or we can you know go to a place where the snow has been cleared for example mm-hmm. you know so that so that but i think if 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 we're talking about something that's just generally unpleasant like i can't see because the snow's over my head there's <laughs> yeah. not going to be a tra- there's not going to be a training method that will make that i, right. I don't think any better right. which sort of is a nice segue into my second prong which which is let's get this dog enriched and happy and exercised in the home okay so if there's there's a lot of stuff you can do for a dog and this is the same you know for any if dogs can't go for walks because they're scared of strangers or what have you you know keeping them sort of uh interested and exercised in the home is a, a really really good option so food puzzles you know um nose work games anything you can do to that really uh gets the dog's brain working is going to be very helpful. And then, is you know, is there games you can play with your dog inside to tire them out? And a little dog, you know, they may not need quite as much exercise as a really big active breed. Mm-hmm. So you can be like, fetch down the hall. Tug games are really, really good here. Um, and, and if you have a, you know, bigger li- um, space in your basement or something, if you could play, and you know, sort of a, a flirt pole type game if they like that then oh, yeah. you can really drain their energy that way and then hey you know spring is going to be here soon enough and they can you know tromp or you can wait for the you know for the um snow plow to go through and then go play on the sidewalk or whatever awesome and are there any other you know winter precautions that you should think so i'm thinking in terms of when uller was a puppy uh and he clearly loved the snow from like the beginning we named him uller after the god of winter so i think that's we kind of asked for that but um <laughs> <laughs> with with puppies, our trader gave us quite a few precautions about, okay, I know he loves the snow, but here's some precautions you should think about when playing with a, a, a young dog in the snow. Like those type of things, things that people should think about. Um, that would be more of a question for a vet as far yeah. as like, are they gonna, yeah. So 
and I guess also like I have sled dogs and they tend to be super fine in the snow. So I'm I'm sort of like, well, what are you talking about? Not good in the snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's more about you know, like sometimes running in the snow with the heavy uh, heaviness on their coat and things like that. It can potentially, especially the younger dogs that don't know their bodies very well, potentially be an issue. Right. But but like you said, we could definitely talk with the, with the vet about that. Now, uh, you mentioning yeah. sled dogs, I want to just kind of segue back into that a minute. You uh, have done some work helping rescue sled dogs, former sled dogs, right? Yes, we do. Yeah, we have um, we have sled dogs who, and they're competitive racing type of sled dogs. So they're not like the big. They're not, they don't look like Siberians. They're not sort of the shaggy type. They're they tend to be smooth coated, um, and they're they're sort of a. I don't want to say they look like mutts. I'm trying to think of a nicer way. They they would surprise you in their looks if you had a sled dog in your uh, in your mind's eye. So, but they're they're fantastic for traction sports so if you like being pulled around or if you like being really active with your dog and you want to try can across or something like that then a sled dog is i mean you know is the primo example yeah. so <laughs> and, and what kinds of so if let's let's say somebody's looking to adopt and they're and they're they maybe listen to the show what kinds of uh things should they maybe keep in mind that they're going to differences about a, a, a standard a you know rescued dog versus somebody a dog that was a sled dog so um, there's going to be the hair. So the hair coat, there's a lot of shedding, and that just you just learn to put up with it. But it's certainly something to keep in mind. And all dogs are hairy, so you know that that kind of applies to everything. But sled dogs are known for their their shedding, so there is that. Um, quite a few sled dogs are a little bit in the sled dog lingo. It's known as skittish. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit fearful of strange people who they don't know. So that's something to keep in mind that you may need to work with a trainer. You may just need to be a little bit cognizant of that. You know, they're certainly not going to be the, or they might be. You know, but but the, the sort of the tendency is for them to be a little bit scared of new people. People that they haven't met before um, and a, a really big one in in my experience um, rehoming sled dogs is they tend to bolt so if they're scared they'll slip their collar bolt and then they're gone and they can run for miles and I'm not exaggerating right well that's what so they're bred to train yeah so you have a dog who's who's scared who bolts who runs and you can have a very unfortunate outcome there so if someone adopts a sled dog we are very very um pushy about keeping them on leash all the time for the first six months you know they have to be we need we we do fence inspections we want to make sure that this dog if if they get startled you know they're not gonna there's not going to be sort of a sad um outcome for the you know for the new adopter and for the dog unfortunately Mm -hmm. it's it's Mm -hmm. it's part of their shtick um and they're not quite as you know if you think we, currently we're fostering a little spaniel and she's so attentive to us and we're both like whoa look at this little attentive dog sled dogs are much more like oh, yeah you know i like you and i like your food but i'm just going to do my own thing and i want to you know i'm going to maybe play with that dog and then i'm going to sleep for a while they're, so they're 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 an interesting beast for sure why do you think that is i mean that, that that's because i mean i've not had that experience with any dogs i've had but i mean why do you think that is that they're a little bit more let's say standoffish i think it's more just yeah i i, I who knows? But, um, you know, if I had to, if you cornered me and made me guess, I'd say it's probably a, a breeding thing that just, you know, either it came along for the ride when, pe- you know, when people were breeding for really good sled dogs. So they're, they're, fa- they're fantastic. They, they like to pull, like they find it very enjoyable. Just to, once they're in the harness, they want to go, they face outside, mm-hmm. you know, they're not checking in with the human. They are just pulling, go, go, go forward, forward, forward. So I, you know, maybe it's just part of that personality class i don't know it's, an, it's certainly an interesting question to think about over coffee though yeah definitely it's, it's just curious to me i i'd not, I not heard that before but it it i i, I guess um 
I guess it kind of makes sense too, and it's so, you see so many times that, that, that so often that they spend so much time outside and just around the other dogs and facing forward, like you said, they're not out facing the human, it's all about what's outside of me, and so that's really interesting. Well, listen, this has been terrific talk. Um, really good stuff. I want to make sure that people know how they can find you online to learn more about what you do. Okay, so my website is um, uh, my name, so it's christybenson.com. And then I also have a Facebook uh, page, which I'm pretty active on, and that's just Christy Benson Dog Training. Awesome. And that's Christy with an I, K-R-I-S-T-I-B-E-N-S-O-N. Make sure that people have that spelling there. Well, great. Thanks so much for joining us today, Christy. Really great stuff. Thank you. Stick around, folks. We are going to have a little bit more fun next. We're going to talk about some of the quirky, geeky, and super helpful products that are out there for helping us keep our pets warm and entertained during the winter, just like Christy was talking about. And that's what's going to come up next on Pet Lover Geek on Voice America. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Happy day, pet lovers. 
It is cold outside. Well, at least you, it is if you're at my house. It's snowing right now outside. It's about 27 degrees. We've got the fireplace going. Hot cocoa is on the menu for me right after this show. And depending on where you live, you might also be cuddled up with your fur kids right now, uh, trying to keep cold, trying to keep warm because it's cold outside. And winter, for most of us in, in the country, it means that there's a few more challenges on getting our pets outside for exercise and bathroom breaks. So Today, we're going to focus on winter and holiday safety trips because tips because winter's here, it's cold outside, and though for a lot of people it's just best to usually stay inside, you know, we got to take those dogs out for exercise and potty breaks and things like that. And some of us even have cats that are used to going outside on a regular basis, and there's some things we need to be aware of to make sure that they are safe and warm and comfortable during these winter months. So to get us started today, we've invited Dean Vickers. Now, Dean is the former director of Animal Welfare Studies and Education at Radio Systems Corporation. You probably know them as the makers of the PetSafe brand. He was also uh, a former director, uh, Ohio State Director of the Humane Society of the United States. He's got a lot of experience in animal welfare and disaster response, and we're really excited to have him on the show today to share some expert tips on keeping your pets safe and healthy during the winter season. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek, Dean. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me here today. Okay, so let's get started. What is the very first thing that we need to keep in mind before taking, let's say, our dog outside? Sure. I have three dogs, actually, and my dogs are different sizes, different shapes, different ages. I have Gustav, who's a 120-pound Bernese Mountain Dog. I have Isabella, who is a 50-pound Chow Chow. And then I have Rocky, who is a 40-pound Lab Mix. Now, my first two dogs, uh, long hair, love, love, love cold. Mm-hmm. Rocky, the, the lab mix, not so much. Mm-hmm. So before we go outside with him, I want to make sure what's out there. With, with, with any, any of the dogs, as far as that goes, you know, I, I want to check out, is it raining? Is it sleeting? Uh, how cold is it before I actually get ready to take him outside? Uh, and some of that, too, like with, with the snow and stuff, you, it's not just taking them out. It's what the road conditions are like. You know, I, I've, I've been walking my dogs in the past and, you know, cars can't slow down like they, like they could normally. And, you know, they can veer off and so you have to be careful with that as well. But my big thing for this time of year when I look, look through outside is really what's going on right now. Is it snowing? Is it sleeting? Is it too cold? Um, then I go from there. What, what, what would you constitute as too cold? I mean, like I live up in the mountains and um, what is too cold when you say, okay, got to get out the pee pad because it's just too cold. Yeah, I don't, for me, I mean, a couple of years ago here in Ohio, uh, we had like negative 10 or 12 degrees. Uh, what I do with that, I look at that and I see how my dogs react. Mm-hmm. Now, for Rocky, uh, or at the time it was Jamal, uh, I put a coat on him. The other two dogs, they did not need to because they're, they're long enough hair. And I kind of gauge on how they interact or how they act when they go outside. If, if I'm not leaving them out, yeah, I look at it, how long do I want to stay out here? You know, I figure I have less protection outside than they do. So I'll look at that. I'll, I'll still take them out for a walk. Even if, it's, even if it's pretty cold, I just watch how much time I spend out there. And if do you, it's like, you know, 45 degrees. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. If it's like 45 degrees or, or freezing degrees, you know, I, I'm, I'm way more conscious of, of how long I'm out there, particularly like with my two dogs now, the longer hair, they let you up by themselves. I have a sense in yard. I let them in and out that way. If it's colder, colder, I don't let them go outside unsupervised. I want to make sure I can see what they're doing, 
see how they're breathing, see how they're interacting outside in the cold. Uh, if it's, you know, below that, I want, I'm, I'm with them. So I can make sure that if something does happen, I'm right there to, to, to drag him back in the house. So if you're outside with your dog and you're keeping close eye on them, are there signs that people should be seeing like, ah, this is, this is cold is too much for them that maybe you wouldn't notice unless you were new to be looking for those signs? Yeah, kind of look at their breath, see how they're breathing. Uh, if, if it starts to become shorter, then to become a little more strained as far as their breathing goes. Uh, and also check out their paws. Uh, a lot of times when it, when it comes to like walking dogs outside, particularly uh, when it's, I guess, I guess either way, it mounds the same way because what happens is as they walk, the, their, their pads or their paws will melt the snow a little bit and then it'll refreeze within their pads. Mm. Now, in the city, it can be not just the ice that's refreezing. It can also be, uh, you know, uh, salt or chemicals that people use, uh, you know, to make temperatures or make the weather better for them in, in, the, in the snow itself. So you want to make sure you keep an eye on that. So you can see as they're walking, uh, even my child who loves this weather, as she walks, I'll see her kind of lift up her, her, her paw, turn and give me a look, which means I rub her paw and kind of melt the snow pad a little bit. Then she walks a little bit further, and kind of the same thing happens. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on how much ice is building up between their between their pads, because you know, that can actually uh, cause some lacerations and cuts because it's still ice. You know, it, right. it, it can cut their paws as they're walking. So if they're high stepping, then that's going to be a signal to you there may be something yeah. wrong there. Well, they're either getting ready for a show, <laughs> right. they're getting their, they're stepping down, or yeah, they're they're really. They're, they're looking at their paws like they don't, they're just confused with what's going on here. It, right. it hurts when they put the paw down. It's like, oh, what, what's going on here? Right. So and, they look at you for help. And do you, do, you, do you recommend that folks consider winter apparel, particularly for those smaller dogs, those shorter hair dogs? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of winter apparel, but actually the answer is yes, um, which I didn't do until uh, Jamal, who was a old dumpster dog from years ago, but he was like 15 when he finally passed away and it was the last few years. He just couldn't do it anymore. He just was, you know, too, his, his, his uh, fur was just too thin. Mm-hmm. And so he, he still liked to go outside with the other two dogs, but he just couldn't physically do it. So right. I actually got him an Ohio state jacket, so a little, a little sweatshirt, sorry. <laughs> and he loved it. Yeah. You know, he just would, the, the first time I put it on, to be fair, he was not a huge fan. Uh, but then he knew he kind of, oh, look at you, you're so cute, you're so cute. And then he loved it. And right. uh, he was just so excited to put it on. Well, we, now, I have I've never been able to get the, the, the foot, footies on before. But. Right. Those are impossible. I, I actually had a similar experience. We have a dog who does not like going outside, but now she sees the coat come out and she's excited because it, I think it's a big difference for her. And the booties, I agree. I think the booties are awesome. I wish they would work on our dogs. We have never been able to be successful with getting them on our dogs. Yeah, exactly. I'll get one on, and then by the time I get the other one or two on, there it's all it's over with. So it's like <laughs> right. let's just. Let's do the best I can do here. Oh, you know, I'll just be, just resign myself yeah. to rubbing your feet when we come back inside and call it a day. All right. So let's say that they're coming back inside. Are there things that you should be checking, you know, inside just to make sure everything's good before you let them, you know, go about their business inside once they've gone outside? Sure. hundred percent. When I bring my dogs in, like I said, I have three of them. So my, and my initial coming back in really becomes a time management uh, process because what I really want to do is check their feet, their pads when they first come in, and rub off. I have a wet nap by the door. So I really I just grab a wet nap, and I always use the same one for all three for the initial uh, rub off. 
all I'm really doing is trying to check their pads real quick for any, any lacerations, but really I'm rubbing them because I want to take off any of that salt mm-hmm. or any chemicals because I don't want them licking that. Yeah. Uh, you've all seen dogs when they come in, their, their paws are wet or something, they'll lick and lick and lick. Well, if it's a chemical, that's the last thing you want them to do. Right. So I'll just take a wet nap and just kind of rub them off real quick right away. And then once they're all inside, then I feel a little more comfortable. I can be a little, little more um, thorough with taking a, a blanket or a towel, rubbing off their feet a little better. Once again, checking a little more for that. And uh, especially if you see them limping or anything. And then I also, I'll start rubbing down their, their if there's been snowing or something, I'll rub off their heads and their, and their ears. So you want to get in that dry too. It's mm-hmm. not just good for the, for the furniture. It's also good if they go back outside later. You don't want that to be wet. And refreeze. Uh, wet when they go back out. Exactly. Yeah, that, that would be like a, a frostbite, which is which dogs can get frostbite for 100%. sure. So now that you mentioned yes. in, in your article, you mentioned uh, some health concerns that, that, that are, you know, out there in the winter times. Like, for example, feeding. Is, what types of things can we be keeping in mind with feeding with dogs in the, in the cold months? Sure. Now, my three different dogs, uh, both Isabella and Gustav, because they're longer-haired dogs, they love this kind of weather, and they actually will run and run and run as much as they can outside. And so they end up using a lot more energy. Mm-hmm. And so their, their food is actually more in, in the wintertime than the summertime. Because in the summertime, you know, with long-haired dogs, particularly Chow, she's lazy. Let's just be <laughs> honest here. Right. And so she's, she's content in the summertime to lay somewhere in the, in the air conditioning. So she shouldn't eat that much. And so in the wintertime, she eats a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be careful because Rocky, the lab mix, uh, the opposite. He does not like the cold. He'll go outside if you kind of make him, and he'll go outside for a short period of time. Jacket or no jacket, he still doesn't like to be outside too long. So with him, I have to really pull back on the food. A, he's a lab, so he's kind of predisposed to be kind of an eater. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't want to get heavy in the wintertime. So I'm just more careful with how much I feed them. I make sure it's a good quality food, but I also want to make sure it's not too much. And this time of year, more than any other, I actually have to pull the food up. Usually I just put uh, a cup of food in each bowl. Now the wintertime is different because Rocky is the eater, where the other two will not eat and eat, eat in the summertime, where he will eat and eat, eat in the wintertime. So. Right. So it's important that you kind of keep mindful of how much energy is being expended, for sure. Now, I want to, before we run out of time, because we've only got about a minute left, what other, like, major concern safety-wise and health-wise should people be aware of in the winter time or the holiday months? Well, the time the holiday months, particularly the holiday months, um, is, is the holidays in general. I mean, it's people coming over, you know, you got visitors all the time coming. I always make sure I either have treats that I trust or I make my own treats, actually, for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I leave them out for my guests. That way, when they come, they can give my dog a treat that I, that I pre-approve because right. otherwise, they're going to be eating all kinds of, well, you know, let's just call it garbage, because it is. It's, we eat it, we, and we know what it is. We know we shouldn't, but right. the dogs don't get it that often, so they're excited to get something new, and you can kind of regulate how much they're getting. Mm-hmm. Or if they're just eating table scraps, they're just going to eat and eat and eat. So right. I'd be careful of that. I also look at what decorations are around. I look at, you know, I'm, I'm careful of ribbon. Uh, we don't really use garland as much anymore, but things like that, anything that's kind of long and stringy. I'm careful with, and, you know, turkeys, hams, anything like that. It's easy to grab a hold of. And and with Gustav being, you know, 120 pounds, you know, he's got a pretty high reach there. And also with him, 
his tail. Oh my gosh. Uh, so watch out for candles, things like that. Decorations are fantastic. The candles, they can knock off the table. Christmas ornaments, like the, the glass balls on the mm-hmm. trees. Just be careful. It looks like a, looks like a tennis ball. Right. Just, just be careful, things like that. And anything that has like long string, um, even, even like uh, squeaky toys, which Gustav loves. I'm careful. I, I, I'll take off scarves and anything that can be kind of long. They can right. swallow. So. Right. So just, just in general, general, just kind of have a, a close eye on what could my dog look at as a toy or a piece of food and make sure that it's yeah, going to be safe for them. Everything's a toy or a piece of food. So right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Dean. We're, we're out of time. It was really great having you oh, on the show. Hang tight, pet lovers, because we've got more winter and safety holiday tips right after the commercial break. And you're listening to Pet Lover Geek on Voice America. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, pet lovers. And next up, I'm really excited. We're going to have a chance to visit with Dr. Charlotte Flint. She's with another tremendous resource out there for pet parents, the Pet Poison Helpline and Safety Call Center. Dr. Flint, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be on the show. Thanks for having us. I'm excited too. And this is such such an important topic. And there's actually no way in an hour we can cover every one of the dangers that are out there. But I want to focus for a little bit on seasonal toxins because it seems like every single season has its own set of potential poisonous things that are out there for our fur kids to be harmed by. And for example, 
We're still in the deep throes of winter in some parts of the country, like up here in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, we just had a huge snow and our cars are still needing things like antifreeze. And antifreeze is horribly dangerous. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, there are a couple of kinds of antifreeze that um, that, are, that are out there on the market and, and that we'll, we'll deal with or, or hear about. Um, the most dangerous kind is going to be, um, you know, kind of the traditional antifreeze that has something called ethylene glycol in it. Um, those are the, the types that are usually going to be in cars and they'll be in mixes with water, but it'll be the ethylene glycol types of antifreeze. There are some antifreeze freezes that are out there that aren't going to be quite as poisonous. Um, those are usually going to be kind of the pet-safe antifreezes. Um, sometimes the marine and RV antifreezes will be, be similar in, in ingredients, too. Those will usually have something else called propylene glycol in them and aren't going to be quite as dangerous, though you know, large amounts, again, certainly could be, be an issue. It's the ethylene glycol traditional antifreeze that we really worry about and very small ingestions can be a big issue for dogs and especially cats that get into it. Um, what we worry about when pets get into antifreeze or the traditional ethylene glycol types of antifreeze is that it does have the potential very rapidly to cause a lot of damage to the kidneys. Um, and so the, with those, those small ingestions, it's liquid, it gets absorbed rapidly. Cats and, and dogs can go into kidney failure and um, can have very life-threatening signs if we don't catch them and, and um, treat them very promptly. Right. So if you do see your dog or your cat licking at a place where there might have been antifreeze, you get them to the vet immediately. I do usually recommend it. Yeah. They're, um, you know, it's always hard to really quantify how much they they licked, especially because it's kind of a puddle situation. They just mm-hmm. have their face there. We usually really can't say how much was ingested. We have really good tests. For, for antifreeze, um, and so if, if there's a suspicion that a pet may have gotten into it, I think getting into the vet, getting some testing done, and getting that treatment started early is very, very important, especially with cats. Mm-hmm. Um, cats are, are exquisitely sensitive, and, and the antidote for antifreeze needs to be started very, very quickly for them. Also with dogs, they have a little bit more time, but cats, um, within hours, we need to, to be right on top of it. So, and, you know, any exposure I do do usually recommend getting in and, and making sure that it's, it's going to be safe, either that we can, um, you know, test and make sure they didn't get into enough of it or right. getting that treatment started right away. And what did I, I've read something on the Poison Helpline's blog about vodka as an antidote. <laughs> what is that all yes. about? Yes. <laughs> yes, there are a couple of different ways that will treat antifreeze um, poisonings in dogs and cats. Traditionally, there's been a, a medication um, called fomepazole that we'll use. That one has been a little bit harder to find recently. It's kind of come off the market a little bit um, and does tend to be very expensive as well. And so many pets end up getting treated with something like vodka or um, something like Everclear, the very, very strong um, alcohols. And basically, the, the reason that we use it is um, the, the way that the antifreeze, the ethylene glycol gets metabolized by the body. Um, it's actually not the, the, the ethylene glycol itself that damages the kidneys. It's some of the um, other metabolites, some of the other things that it breaks down into. Mm-hmm. And so we can actually 
use the the alcohol, something like vodka or um, or Everclear, another very hard alcohol, as a treatment to kind of change the way the body processes the, the ethylene glycol or the antifreeze and makes it a safer situation for that pet. They get drunk. Um, and yeah, it, it and, and, and it's one of those things that we talked about, like <laughs> you shouldn't have the alcohol laying around for the pets because it's not good for them at all. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it can actually save their life. It can. It can. Again, definitely it's something that we need to do in a very controlled situation. With your vet. <laughs> um, in yeah. the hospital, they need very specific amounts of it. We, we certainly make sure that you know, things are, are safe and we're not having any issues with the blood sugar or any mm-hmm. other issues while they're getting it. Um, so, again, very controlled environment. It's, it's not something that I would recommend doing at home, but um, it is kind of a... Uh, um, cool thing that is is on the shelf and and shows that you know one of those things that we usually try to avoid sometimes has a, a potential benefit for pets yeah. too. That's, that's um, crazy. So. It's crazy how the body works. Now let's also talk about ice melt because we just had, as I mentioned, a huge dump of snow. Unfortunately, there's still a thick sheet of ice underneath because we also had some melt. So you know, ice melt is one of those things that we actually just talked about. Uh, gosh, we're going to need some ice melt. And I said, oh, no, 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 we can't mm-hmm. use that because it's bad for the dogs. So talk about that. Sure. There are a few different kinds of ice melts that are out there on the market, too. Um, probably the ones that I try to avoid are the really true, true salt or sodium chloride types of, of melts. Those, if um, dogs ingest enough of it, can cause some pretty serious electrolyte issues, and certainly they can have things like some vomiting, and it can be very irritating, too. Um, there are quite a few other kind of blends of different salts, and they'll have calcium, sometimes they'll have magnesium chloride in it um, that you'll see in other ice melts, and, and usually are going to be um, you know, less concerning overall, though Again, I you know would would try to overall keep it away from um, you know from pets. Usually, those small ingestions where they've kind of walked through some snow or walked over some ice that's been treated, um, like the paws, that usually isn't going to be anything dangerous. They sometimes pets dogs will have um, a little bit of of mild vomiting or maybe a little diarrhea with that kind of situation, some drooling. Um, but I do try to, you know, after I take my own dog outside I'm here in Minnesota, so we definitely know about ice melt mm-hmm. as well, but I'll, I'll try to just wipe those paws down and prevent those, those ice melts from being ingested. But fortunately those, you know, kind of casual walking across the ice, walking across the treated sidewalk kind of exposures in most cases are not going to be dangerous. I worry more about um, dogs that chew into a big bag of it in the garage and eat a lot right. of it. Yeah. And there's some of them out there that actually specifically call out that they're pet safe. I mean, are they really mm-hmm. pet safe or are they just, they're better? <laughs> I would say better. There um, are, I would say most of the pet safe ice melts have something called urea as the active ingredient in it. Mm-hmm. And if they get into quite a lot of it, they can have some of those stomach upset symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually are, are going to avoid some of the more severe effects like the electrolyte abnormalities with mm-hmm. that. So again, kind of a common sense situation where right. I certainly wouldn't want my dog chewing into a bag of it, but I'm probably not going to lose too much sleep if you know he walks across the ice and then licks his paws afterwards. Okay, cool. Well, okay. Now let's let's because we're all dreaming of spring right now. Let's let's talk about moving into spring. There's a lot of toxins that when the weather changes and, and our behaviors change and things we use in our house changes uh, that are you should be aware of. So talk about some of those top toxins for springtime. 
Sure. So um, springtime, I, you know, here in, in Minnesota, I, I definitely start thinking about the gardening that we get to do. We're really excited about that when the snow melts and, Green and we can get outside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, a lot of times people have different, you know, plants that they are planting in their garden or in their yard, um, especially some of the bulb kind of, of plants. The lilies are starting to come up. The crocuses are coming up. Um, daffodils, tulips are, are coming up, which are, um, you know, certainly um, beautiful. But if pets dig up those bulbs and eat a lot of, of the, the bulb material, that sometimes can be an issue for them. Um, most of the time it's going to be, especially with the smaller ingestions, kind of a stomach upset symptom or set of symptoms. But um, we can sometimes see some more severe effects. With cats, I always, always worry about lilies and with, um, you know, especially Easter coming up, you know, making sure that, that lilies aren't coming into a home with cats, I think is very, very important. I always try to avoid, you know, bringing any type of, of true lily, like the Easter lilies, the stargazer lilies, mm-hmm. um, the tiger lilies into to a home with cats. I, I never keep them in, in um, my home mm-hmm. because any type of exposure, any small exposure, even just smelling the plant, getting the pollen on the face, um, licking the water from the vase and certainly chewing on those flowers or leaves um, can be dangerous and can cause kidney failure in cats. So usually, again, fortunately, something we can um, treat if we can catch it early. Um, with springtime and all the gardening that's going on, we do, I think, get a lot of calls also about things that are people are using in their their yard. Um, fertilizers are, const- are you know, very commonly being put out. Um, sometimes people are putting out different insecticides or, or other pesticides too. And so those would be some other things that we get calls about frequently. Right. So just be highly aware of where your dog is at all times and his behavior in the yard and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what about too, um, I know for us, uh, spring cleaning, we try to do a big, you know, it's finally warm enough to be able to go out and shake out everything and all this stuff. And, um, I've become more and more aware as we have a very curious pup. Um, He wants to sniff everything, lick everything. I've been more and more aware about the products that I'm using when I'm cleaning. What kinds of things should we, you know, avoid uh, or at least make sure that the dog has no exposure to when we're doing a spring cleaning? Sure. I think with the cleaners, a lot of them can be pretty safe, especially if it's a situation where you're, you know, just wiping down the counter, doing a little mop, and there's a little bit of, um, you know, residue that the the dog or a cat comes and and likes. I'm usually not going to be too concerned about that. The ones that I really try to avoid would be um, some of the, um, you know, very, very strong types of cleaners, things like oven cleaners, toilet bowl cleaners, um, can be, you know, either extremely acidic or very, very alkaline where they can cause some burns with very small licks or, or ingestions. Um, another thing that has been in the news with kids and it also is a big issue with, with dogs would be the laundry pods. Mm-hmm. Um, those colorful little laundry pods have a very concentrated detergent. I do use them and I like them, um, but I keep them out of reach because they um, are something that dogs like to kind of chew and bite into and, and those very, very strong detergents can cause a lot of stomach upset. And we do see a, a fair amount of dogs that develop some pneumonia. They get some of that material in their lungs too, which can be dangerous for them. Um, so 
really it's the, the, the ones that I think about keeping very much out of reach would be the really strong toilet oven cleaners and then especially the laundry pods too. Now, you've mentioned this a lot uh, since we've been talking, stomach upset. That seems to be mm-hmm. a very, very common theme of everything. So talk about when your pet has a stomach upset, maybe you don't even know what the upset is being caused by. What are the major no-nos that you should be aware of, things you should not do when your stomach dog has an upset stomach? Um, you know, I, I think it with an upset stomach, it, there's so many various causes of, of vomiting and diarrhea in dogs and cats. I think it, you know, it's always good to just at least touch base with your veterinarian, um, and and certainly sooner rather than than later, um, because of that risk of dehydration. When we start talking about some of the home remedies and things that people try um, and and that I would recommend avoiding, um, we do sometimes see where a dog has some vomiting or diarrhea and and people start thinking, oh, wow, maybe he's been poisoned. They get online, they start reading, and they start trying to, you know, induce vomiting, even though their dog has been vomiting. Um, So uh, that's something that I generally wouldn't wouldn't recommend. It's usually not going to be, you know, something that's going to be helpful once symptoms have started. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would definitely avoid giving anything like salt to induce vomiting um, or, um, you know, some of the other kind of odd things that we'll hear about sometimes. People sometimes use, you know, very strange things like mustard or, or raw eggs or, or even motor oil, and I definitely would avoid those things. Sometimes people will reach for Pepto-Bismol. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps people with, with a stomach upset kind of set of symptoms, and that's something I generally don't recommend in, in dogs and definitely not in cats. It actually has some aspirin-like compounds, um, and it rarely is going to be helpful. It rarely is going to fix the problem and has the potential, um, depending on the cause, to, to sometimes make things make worse. It worse, Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dr. Google is not a good place to go <laughs> <laughs> for how to treat your pet, for sure. Your first stop should definitely be your veterinarian. And then also, uh, give us tell people how they can get a hold of your, your organization and, and how they can find it. Sure. So we're Pet Poison Helpline, and we are a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, you know, nights, weekends, holidays, we're here, um, Poison Control Center for Animals. And our phone number is probably the best way to reach us. We're at 1-800-213-6680. And again, we are here and and staffed with veterinary professionals and veterinarians 24 hours a day. we do have a website as well where we have some general information for pet owners, you know, some great tips on um, some of the things we've talked about today and, and many other subjects having to do with, with poisonings and pets. Um, and our website is www.petpoisonhelpline.com. So that can be another great resource for pet owners as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Flynn. I really appreciate you taking the time today to spend with us. Oh, you're very welcome. We're we're uh, happy to to chat and get some of this information out there to help pets. Totally, absolutely fantastic, important information that everybody needed to hear today. Your pets, some love from me, and we will see you right back here for Pet Lover Geek on Voice America's Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. 
but we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, pet lovers. Oh, you, but I've got a great list of loot that I want to check out. It's going to actually be hard to decide what I want to try out first. Um, by the way, speaking of things that we heard about today uh, that I want to try out, I went and did a quick little check during the break about SureFlap, the product that... Uh, Marcy was just talking about with the microchips, and yes, she's totally right. You can program that flap to your pet's microchip, which is going to be a lifesaver for those of us who have cats that refuse to wear collars. That is so cool. So definitely check out that. Um, And like I mentioned uh, earlier with all the other guests, we are going to have this stuff on our website. We're going to be posting that later today, and then we'll have it on our Facebook page as well. But a couple more things I want to get out there for you guys, Just, just, just other things to think about, some of the things that I think are super duper cool. Uh, We heard about the Star Trek gear earlier in the show with Amy, and there are those of us that definitely love the the Trekkie stuff. And uh, then there are those of us uh, that uh, either play on both sides of the galaxy or are firmly embedded on the other side of the galaxy, and I'm talking about Star Wars. So um, I happen to know of one Star Wars collection that's out there, and it's actually at a big uh, nationwide store, and that's Petco. So I think only a fraction of the uh, collection is actually available in the store, but I know most of it's online. And uh, we I actually discovered this a, a few months back when I was at the Starbucks that's next to the Petco, and of course they're having a kitten adoption event, and so I had to go in there, and the first thing I saw before I even got to the cats was a bunch of Star Wars gear. And I have to admit, I squeed a little bit louder for the Star Wars gear uh, that I did for the cats. Um, but it's really, there's some fun stuff there. Um, there's some stuff that I'm not so sure I would get for my pets. Uh, they get some pretty bad reviews online. Some of the toys, um, the, the there's some stick toys that are on there. They get uh, pretty low reviews. They're quick to tear, uh, and and the dogs destroy them really quickly, which may be a waste of your money. There's also some LED chewers that look really cool. Uh, the only a couple of them have been reviewed though, and they're plastic chew toys. So I'm a little bit leery of getting those because uh, it can really affect some dogs' gums and teeth. However, uh, the squeaker toys. Awesome. Uh, get your dogs a Yoda. It's a great photo opportunity, but it's also uh, really cute. And they're 
they, they're rated really well by customers there, uh, withstanding quite a bit of chewing. And they also have some ridiculously cute mice that are dressed up like a bunch of different characters. So the little mice toys for the cat for the cats. But my favorite part uh, uh, is actually the clothing. Penny has a Darth Vader sweater and uh, she looks fabulous in it and we put it on her whenever she's particularly orny, which just could be pretty much any given time. Uh, and this year I think I'm going to get her the TIE Fighter socks because her tootsies do get a little bit cold in the winter. Uh, there's also some really cool stuff that's out there on places like Etsy that I would really encourage you to, to check out if you're looking for something a little bit more personalized or maybe something for the pet parent um, who who's outside of the sci-fi range. So Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, the Marvel and DC comic series, you name it. There is an artist out there who has done a pet collar for it, I guarantee you, on Etsy. And then another thing that's on Etsy that I just love and talk about quirky and geeky and fun. There's an artist in Australia that does uh, portraits of pets and she puts them or he puts them I'm not actually sure in Game of Thrones I mean what pet parent doesn't want a a painting of their fur kid on the Iron Throne there's also uh, Next Generation and uh, original Star Trek things Doctor Who Jedi pets even an Avengers uh, portrait if you've got a household like ours with multiple pets they start around 50 bucks a piece so very affordable hilarious I'll make sure I put the link up to that Etsy shop online and another thing that you can do uh, some some can do it on Etsy you can also do it on a site like Zazzle or something is to get a customized uh, smartphone case or a customized laptop case with a person's pets on there. So that's that's something that's really great for the pet parent. And speaking of great gifts for a pet parent, my favorite little gadget, and it's only 10 bucks, is Pop Socket. It uh, comes from Dog is Good. They have a ton of designs. They have cat designs and they have dog designs. I have both uh, a dog is my zen and a dog lover for my phones. And I love this thing. It's it's this little thing that pops, it sticks onto the back of your phone and it makes holding your phone so much easier. And you can also use it as a table stand. So you can watch videos and things like that and have it hands-free. And there's a little mount that you can buy, which is also 10 bucks, that can be put in the car and then the pop socket just fits into there and you can be hands-free in your car. I get compliments on this pop socket thing all the time. So if you're looking for a really great stocking stuffer for a cat or a dog fan, go to dogisgood.com and look up their pop sockets. Um, Really, really highly recommend. And of course, I would be remiss if I did not mention Pet Hub. Uh, As you guys know, uh, Pet Hub's on the show a lot, and that's because they're one of the generous uh, sponsors of this show. And they are a tremendous gift for any pet parent. In fact, you can go beyond cats and dogs. They have uh, horses and turtles and goats uh, and potbelly pigs um, that are all um, protected by Pet Hub ID tags. They link to a free online profile. So once you buy the tag or the collar, you don't have to pay anything else. They're really great gifts, safety in mind, and they have hundreds of hilarious, fun designs uh, on there too. So check them out, pethub.com. And that's really all we have time for today, Pet Lover Geeks. On Pet Lover Geek on Voice America. Thank you for tuning in this week for Pet Lover Geek. Please join your host, Lori and Clemens, for another edition on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go grab your best friend and take them out and enjoy the rest of your weekend.